Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. Hey, what the actual fuckers? Stay tuned to the end of the episode for a very exclusive clip of the This Country book read by Kerry and Curtin. Hey, what the actual fuckers? We're back for WTAF Live 3, Thrice Cooked. I am absolutely thrilled. On Friday, the 29th of November, at the Sundial Theatre in Sirencester. Best in the West. Another night filled with this country-themed entertainment. And we'll be laughing, laughing, laughing. We will be counting down the top five this country moments. Yeah, I know. As well as having the very first Dump Gang Olympics. Lethal. With a very special set of judges, including the queen of this country, Jill Cooper. She is so bubbly. And Martin Mucklow himself. Top notch. With the fantastic comedian Keris Nelms to kick the night off. And unofficial This Country Rockers Erica will be the house band on stage. Beast mode. Tickets are just £12.50. Go to WTAFpodcast.com or our Facebook, Instagram or Twitter page at WTAF This Country for the link to get tickets. Got it? Have you not listened to a word I've just said? So grab your plums, turn over your crumpets and join us for a proper smart night of fun. No one can keep up with that. Not even gift gap. WTAF Live 3. Thrice cooked. I mean, what can you say? Hello there. This is the Reverend Francis Seaton and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck? <laughs> Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF, a This Country podcast. Now, first, he's the man who's just finished filling in his Emmerdale chart. Chartfield chart. Oh, God, I don't know what that was. Uh, he swears he saw a reflection of a boom when Amos Brearley was take, talking to Annie Sugden while Seth was having a pint in the background, just as Len Fairclough and Lofty had a punch-up over a pickled egg. It's Neil. Hello. Lofty? Yeah. Was he in Emmerdale, was That he? was a mishmash. Oh. No, Len you... Fairclough. 
Oh, oh crikey, yeah, that's Corrie's. You weren't listening. I was, you? but I was I trying was... to think of some of Brookside, but I couldn't think of any of the characters. I was desperately trying to remember the characters from Emmerdale. I only really know James because of. But Amos Brilly was from the old, the old days. Was he the one days. with the whiskers? He was. The why, one with the whiskers. why on a podcast I'm wrestling my side? I have no idea. Before we introduce our guest, yes, uh, we had a wonderful message from somebody on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, this is from Chaz Han, and I did say that I would. I, I messaged him back and said that I would. Uh, just mentioned him. Uh, this is how it goes. Howdy, cockwombles. It is a really, it is really weird to admit that I spent the entire ten-hour flight to Canada listening to the WTAF podcasts. Everyone else was connected to the TV screens, and there's me with my earphones plugged into my iPhone, which was in the pocket in the front. The flight attendant noticed I'd not got my earphones plugged into the screen and was trying to show me how. I had to politely inform her I had brought my own entertainment, thanks to you very much. I did have a chap who I swear was Len sat next to me. Oh, could have been. Was he eating cornflakes out of a box? He smelt like him anyway (laughs) and didn't appear to enjoy my regular outbursts of laughter. Air Canada got to add this country to the movie screens. I'd fly more often. Thank you very much, Well, Chaz. thank you, Chaz. How yeah. sweet is that? Chaz, you see, there's a link to this country as well, isn't there? Just saying. Bless him. Thank you very much, Chaz, for that, and please yes, keep listening. Thank you. Okay, now our superfan guest this episode is an actress and writer. Her movie, Killers Anonymous, is a star-studded affair that includes an Oscar winner, a Hollywood beauty, and Percy from Blackadder. Please welcome <laughs> Elizabeth Morris. Hey, hello, Elizabeth. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you two? We're doing all right. Yeah, it's good. a bit cold. We've got the fire on. We're nice and cosy. I'm right next to the radiator. It's all, it's all good. Good. Um, we will talk about Killers Anonymous a little bit yeah. later on, but as we do with our superfan guests, how did you find out about this country, first of all? My sister. It was my sister had said to me, oh, my God, have you watched this country? This must have been... Two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I said I said that I hadn't. She said, I can't believe you haven't watched it. Um, it's absolutely perfect. So then we just sat and watched it together. I think it was only series one at that point. And we sat and watched the whole thing together and just died laughing. It was just, I couldn't believe it hadn't been made before. It was just, it was so, yeah, sang to my soul. Mm. <laughs> You say it sang to your soul. Is that because of where you grew up or, you know, and the location you grew up? Was it a similar sort of? Yeah, definitely. So I live in Churchdown. So I'm bang in the middle between um, Cheltenham and Gloucester. But I went to school in Birdlip, which is very much kind of that countryside type vibe. And it's, you know, very near to Swindon and Sirencester and all of that. And Stroud, my cousins lived in Stroud, you know, so all very much around that area growing up. Um, Friends living in... Yeah, Swindon and Cyrus Esther going to friends' houses. So very much part of my very um yeah, those those I know those people for sure. Yeah. The bright lights of Stroud. I mean that's the place that <laughs> Kerry and Kurt and they dream of living in Stroud. <laughs> yeah. They go to um, McDonald's in Stroud and they couldn't afford they had to just watch everyone else because they couldn't afford it. And it, but I love it when you watch it and you think, I know that exact McDonald's in Stroud. My friend used to go to college in Stroud, so we'd meet afterwards and go to McDonald's. It was like, you know, and that was exciting for us as well because it was uh, Stroud. Mm. It's, yeah. it's also weird because, like, I see the number 51 bus nearly every day driving to work. <laughs> and, like, to other people that are watching it all over the country, that doesn't mean anything. It's like they've made something up. That isn't, but yeah. 
you know, when I was younger, the 51 was the only way you'd get to Swindon. If your parents wouldn't drive you to Swindon, the 51 was the only way that you'd get to Swindon. <laughs> Cheltenham to Swindon bus route. I'm yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you... Sorry. No, go on, carry on. Do you know what, though? It is all of those those things, those familiarities that make it so so enjoyable to watch. But I find it really interesting when people who have no association with the Cotswolds also absolutely love it. Mm. I was speaking to a group of people recently about it. Oh, yeah, we love it. Absolutely find it hilarious. So I think all those familiarities are only are just another level of of what is so enjoyable about it. It's, it works for everybody. So, yeah. Absolutely. And we've spoken to a lot of guests who live up and down the country and they've all had similar sort of um, recognising the characters from where they come from as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or they've all lived in a village or they all know somebody that's like Big Mandy or they've been in certain situations, like the bus and things like that. Everybody knows a Big Mandy. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So when when it came to series two then, were you like, like most people where you were waiting every week for the episode or did you wait and then binge the whole lot again? I'm a binger big time. So I wait and then just do the whole lot. So, yeah. And which, which series did you prefer? The first one or the second one? I think the first one. I think I prefer the first one. Okay. Um, And I'm not really sure why. I've watched the first one more times. That's how I know why. And if I go, if I'm going to watch a repeat, I'll automatically go to series one, I think. Do you yeah. have a favourite episode then, Elizabeth? Um, oh. I actually love... It is the first episode, isn't it? The Scarecrow. Yeah. The, yeah. I just... I think, A, that's my favourite episode, but B, my favourite scene, or my favourite moment of the whole series is when Kerry throws Curtin's phone. <laughs> Sorry, Curtin throws Curtin. Kerry's phone. She yeah. just goes, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> just, I just love it. But, and also... The fight with the pizza, the oven shelf. Oh, oven with, space, yeah. Have that fight with the with the oven space. Classic. Something yeah. that, something as as simple. And we've said it hundreds of times that that was only because they didn't have any more money. That's why they had to make it an episode in one room. They didn't have any money, more money to record so, anything else. It's so genius, isn't it? Yeah. The, the amount of comedy that they managed to make out of that one element is genius i think they're just absolutely genius and it also had my favorite line the tomato line in that one <laughs> tomato! yeah very I just, good. I, yeah very That's good very good <laughs> that might be a new segment we have to get our super fan guests to do tomatoes see oh, who's I like that see you. <laughs> yeah. so far you're winning elizabeth one <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> nil to everybody else who hasn't played indeed it is um it is daisy voices the mum doesn't she yes it, it is yes yeah. Yeah. Again, brilliant. It is credited as Ivy Woodcock, but um, <laughs> yeah, but it is Daisy. Yeah, I mean we've we've had her here in the shed doing that voice, and you can understand why she says that it puts so much strain on her voice to do that because, like, you feel like a vein's going to pop when she's yeah. doing it because it is it is something you've got to do a hundred percent full force, and it, otherwise yeah. it isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, so when it came to the end of series yeah. two, then, and we had the the cliffhanger of whether Kerry was going to um, go to the police station or not, what were your thoughts at that point before the aftermath came in? Did you think that she was going to do what she did? No, I don't know. It's such a hard one with Kerry, isn't it? She's so um, 
easily inf- she just loves her dad so much doesn't she and it's heartbreaking it's at do you know it's actually heartbreaking when mm. you watch her the way that she feels about her dad the way that she is with her dad i know it's so it's so funny and it's so it's i don't know there's just something incredibly incredibly true about it as well which makes it very sad so i don't know i wasn't entirely sure which way it's going to go but the way in which curtain always always has her back is just also very true but very very kind of it really gets to your heart mm-hmm. we've always said that it's a comedy that has great comedy in it but also a lot of um what's the word um sort of emotional moments doesn't it it, yeah. it breaks your heart at the next stage after making you laugh yeah it's the the moment for me is when um when curtain writes the card and it's her her face when she thinks her dad has got her that gift and written this card and she's at you can just see she's so touched by it <laughs> and then she turns around and says and to think curtain nearly ruined my birthday yeah. she starts <laughs> slagging curtain off <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny but in that moment just before you're thinking oh my god that is just like that's so painful mm. and bless curtain and it just kind of yeah moments like that but they still re- they always manage to bring the comedy out yeah which is, uh, so so who's your favorite character then if you say take it, take Kerry or Curtain away, who's your your favourite character? Oh, the vicar. He he's just so everything. sweet, and he? he's just so lovely. Even with his black balls. Even with his black balls. <laughs> <laughs> he's so funny, and he's just like again. Everyone knows the vicar like that. Everyone knows that guy. Yeah. And he really tries his best, and he's. Really... But when he loses his temper with them, um... does he lose his temper with Len? Yeah. On the. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. He's trying to get carried to hospital and yeah. he just loses his temper. That's hilarious. That's what I love I... about him is that he is the sweetest, one of the sweetest characters on TV, but you see him, or when he's having a go at the traffic warden, he <laughs> yeah. absolutely loses shit and there's nothing that can be done about it. It's like he's got this rage underneath him that he just has to let out every once in a while. Yeah. And Kerry and Curtin just completely take the piss. Yeah. They completely take advantage of his good nature and that's... Also hilarious. Yeah. So if they were to do a spin-off comedy show from this country, which character, apart from Kerry and Curtin, would you like to see that spin-off come from? Would it be the vicar? Or Mandy? Mandy. What does Mandy get up to? Yeah. Yeah. See, I just just got a feeling that she's just got a real dark past. You know, I think I reckon she's done time. I reckon she's been in prison. Or you find out that she's nothing like she is. When the curtains are closed, the doors <laughs> closed, she's in a, a Hello Kitty pajamas. <laughs> yeah. You know, very playing playing with her um compare the mere cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see when you when you brought the vicar up, I think the vicar would be a great subject. Going off and following yeah. him around the parish. So you're not just with Kerry and Curtin and his interaction with other people could be quite yeah. Yeah, see yeah. I think the vicar, if they ever brought that's life back, the vicar <laughs> could be the guy like Cyril Fletcher. This is gonna be you're not you're, you're way too young, Elizabeth. <laughs> Bear with us on this. Topical, topical. <laughs> Kids, look up that's life yeah. with Cyril Fletcher. Cyril Fletcher <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm terribly sorry, Elizabeth. <laughs> Cyril Fletcher. Anyway, let's let's talk about um, yourself with your writing and your acting. Um, I, I need to know how the whole Killers Anonymous came about because yeah. that's one of the 
biggest casts I think I've seen in a movie ever. Um, yeah. So someone, you know, Gary Oldman, just, well, you go through it and tell us how that all happened. Oh, how did it all happen? Um, <laughs> well, it started with, it started with a script. Uh, actually, it started with a concept um, from a previous film that myself and the director, Martin, had already written and made and produced and um, that we, that was about five or six years ago. We made this film called L.A. Slasher, which was this sort of dark comedy um, feature film set in L.A. Um, about a serial killer abducting reality TV stars and, you know, having his way with them. And uh, there was a scene in that movie uh, that we always used to refer to as the killer's anonymous scene. And it was very it was tonally very, very different to the way in which the, the feature has has come into its own existence. But um, it was something as a concept that we always wanted to revisit. So about five years after that film came out, we'd kind of forgotten about it a bit. We did another feature, we'd written a few other, you know, things here and there. And um, Martin called me and said, um, there's been some interest in the idea of, of Killers Anonymous. Are you interested in coming back on and developing it as its own feature? So yeah, great. Okay, so um, sat down, um, decided on a, on a concept for on, on, how we would make it its own film and got another writer on board, Seth Johnson, got the script all together. And um, it was originally independently financed, um, which I'm not sure how much you know about that, but basically um, independent investors will put put money into pot and that's how the finance is raised. And then I, I don't work too much on the, on the financing side, but I know a little bit about it. Um, so we went into the initial shoot, I believe, um, had a great cast, already um and then goldfinch um is a production company that came on board in sort of i think about halfway through the shoot to further fund it um to get these uh, we wanted two mega names in these two roles um one being gary oldman one being jessica alba so we sent them the script and they really liked it i think this was the first film that gary oldman had done since winning his oscar so he had said yes to the script and came on board and did it. So that's kind of, yeah, that's that's how, in a nutshell, that's how. That all sounds very, very simple. <laughs> all sounds, when you see about these people saying that I've been I've been writing scripts for thirty years and I'm not, I mean, yet you just say we sent it to Gary Oldman. He had a look at it and he said yes. It can't be that simple, surely. That no, it's, I mean, it comes with. It depends, you know, a lot of it is down to luck. A lot of it's down to who you who you know and like kind of what can what previous work connections you have. You know, you end up working with the same people, or you end up kind of um, linking up with the same people, or um, someone's seen your work and really liked it and come on board through that. You know, it's it's never, in my experience, it's never as as um, straightforward as submitting your script to a company and then choosing it and going yes we want to make this one I know it does happen that way um but I actually that's never been how I've done it so that's kind of um you know I worked with with Martin for many years working from going from feature to feature to feature um and you know people sort of pick up on things along the way and go oh, we, we like that style or we want to work in this way and it's kind of you know there's been elements of luck here and there but it's yeah that's just kind of how how we've done it from day one really so how did a girl from church down then get into the industry so i actually i actually trained in musical theater and i'd always done 
theatre thing, you know, like a stagecoach and um, I went to, a, not the bus company, by the way, stagecoach. <laughs> 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 that number 51 bus again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, trained, well, as, as a kid, was always doing, you know, theatre and dance, stuff like that, and then uh, went and did musical theatre, actually at Gloucester Uni. Um, and we had... There was a really good course that had just opened in 2009, it would have been. And um, it was run by principals from London drama schools. Uh, we had some incredible tutors and lecturers there from Shakespeare, Royal Shakespeare Company, you know, West End performers coming and training us. So we had did that. I then moved to London after I'd, I'd done two years, had enough, wanted to get out of Gloucestershire for a bit. So I moved to London and then had a had initially um wanted to work in musical theatre but started working on film sets as a runner making tea um you know doing all those bits and really fell in love with the whole being on set thing um then started writing with with my writing partner martin managed to get our first film made and so i wrote myself into it and um that is that's kind of the way that i've done it yeah from the beginnings kind of generating my own work which is how I love, I love to work in that way. So, Elizabeth, obviously another uh, famous stalwart from uh, Gloucestershire is Simon Pegg. Have you worked with him at all? I haven't. I'd love to. Well, we'll see if to. we can work that out for you. Yeah. We'll just... Uh... We'll give him a ring later. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that would be interesting. So when it comes to your writing process then, I'm, I'm fascinated. We, we've written bits and pieces together haven't we and, yep. we and it's that thought of having a blank page in front of you and what you do to start a, a process off when you're writing a film especially something like killers anonymous then how do you start what's your process in getting a script written i've really found that every project is completely different i really have in terms of whether it is so with killers anonymous for instance it's it came from like i said this existing concept so the kind of the bare bones of it was already there. And so I think with that, the first instance was to pick it apart, decide what is it about this that we really love and want to explore and what do we want to change? So I think that kind of initial kernel was there and we were able to just sort of add and take away and add and take, you know, really flesh it out. So I guess in that sense, when it's an existing concept, it's almost like you're not starting with a blank page. It's already there for you to just kind of develop. But there's other there's other um, scripts that I've written where I'll be given a title and a very, I mean, I was given a brief once that the title was <laughs> Attack of the Wear Shark. <laughs> and the brief was must include Instagram influencers. So oh, right. <laughs> that's all I'm given. Oh, and a budget of nothing. So that's all I'm given. And uh, you... Sometimes when you're given a lot of restrictions, I find some of the best stuff comes out of it because you have no choice but to really think outside of what you would ideally want to put in there. So you are forced to think in a slightly different way. Um, so that's another thing, you know, if you're, if, if you're working kind of on a freelance basis, I guess, or a script writer for hire. Um, but the most recent script, that I've, most recent feature script that I've written came totally from my own head just me and that was one of the most cathartic experiences of writing that I've ever had because it was drawing on a lot of my own experiences emotions memories kind of um it almost felt like I was diarising 
this this script and that was very much blank page I'm just gonna write and it was literally just type 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 what's happening and it just kind of almost writes itself then you leave it go back read it realize it's a load of shit and then just completely change the whole thing yeah um but yeah so it's kind of I think each each project is very different depending on the initial approach or depending on where it's coming from in the first place but that blank page feeling you can't beat it so do you write with martin then actually physically together so we have done we we have done um but actually it turned out that our writing our writing styles over the years we realized are very different in terms of um that he he needs a lot going on when he writes Physically, he'll need sort of like the, the TV on or he needs to be able to sort of get up and walk around. And, you know, he really, um, he, his his write, his physical writing style is probably more externally. It looks a lot more chaotic. Um, and for me, I need real stillness and concentration because I get so easily distracted. I need to be really strict with myself when I write. Um, so it's either total silence or it is music um that relates to what I'm writing you know usually without words so that it's you don't get those verbal distractions um so when Martin and I write together we often will Skype or FaceTime or talk on the phone have a real chat about what what's the next thing we're going to do we'll then sort of deliberate who's doing what who's doing what go off right let's talk again in a couple of hours send each other stuff look through it this works, that works, that's, you know, and kind of give each other notes and, and do it that way. And then every so often be in the same room and really go through it with a fine tooth comb. But um, a lot of the stuff that we've written, we've not been in the same room. Right. So when it comes to something like Killers Anonymous then, and you're on the set and you have yeah. the script and you've got somebody with the standing of like Gary Oldman, would he mm -hmm. come up to you and say, how about this line instead of that line? Is it yeah. a little bit, is it fluid like that? Or do you like to keep to a script? The thing, um, Martin and I, I mean, Martin's a director, so obviously he has, he certainly has more say in that sense when it gets to, when it gets to filming, because quite often writers aren't really welcome on set because of that reason. They're like, no, you're changing my script, or no, that's not really how I met, you know. But when you've got two writers, one's a director and one's one of the lead actors, it does, you know, there is more sway. So you can, you do have that luxury, really, of being able to, alter things or take suggestions and you know um tim mckinney actually in so in killers anonymous we have we there's a cast of about eight of us that sit in this circle for the majority of the film and i'm sat next to tim who's our black adder guy and yeah. uh, <laughs> he's um, one of the nicest blokes but also he just has this you just instantly respect him as an actor as soon as he walks in the room you just think he's He's serious, like that's he's the business when it comes when it comes to British actors. He's you know he's brilliant, but he would you know he'd sort of nudge me and say, hey, what do you think about maybe this word we could do this? And I'd be like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. And then you know check it with Martin. But he was so respectful of the of of me as a writer, which I really appreciated, um, and of the whole process and and if you say no actually it needs to be like this you go, okay yeah no cool um so yeah there's a lot that it, you do get a bit more sway if you're kind of wearing two hats i think mm. Mm. so so what was it like working with gary oldman then um oh it was just i still don't believe it really <laughs> 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 Did that happen? it was um 
yeah, the days when he was on set, there was definitely a an air of don't fuck this up from everybody like professional professional just keep calm you know people do it's like sometimes I think it doesn't matter how many famous people you've worked with or how long you've been doing it some people just have that about them where you think oh my god that's them in person you know wow and I I definitely had that as well with um with Jessica Alba when she came into the makeup trailer and I think you know I, I spent my teen years growing up watching her idolizing her as this you know oh my god it's Jessica Alba and she's just this such glossy celebrity that you think she's almost not real and then she walks in and we're sat in the she sat next to me in the makeup chair and I'm thinking just don't make eye contact just don't make eye contact <laughs> I don't I don't know why that was my initial thing you're not going to get very far in this industry if you refuse to make eye contact with people um but then I thought just be brave and say hi so I did I turned to her and said hi and at the time I was wearing a blonde wig for one of the scenes. And she said, oh, you've, you've got um, lots of red hair under that wig, haven't you? You're, are you Elizabeth? And I was like, oh, <laughs> who do I am? <laughs> <laughs> so that was really nice. And she was really nice as well. She was just so easy to work with. So when there was downtime on set with with Gary Oldman, did you get to chat to him much? And because he's done so many iconic roles, did you get to quiz him on on his other roles? A little bit. I have to be honest. I was quite um, because he was only in for a handful of days, and his stuff was dialogue heavy. A lot of the time, he's he's um, you know heading his script and stuff. Or um, the other thing was his his mum had actually passed away the day before he came on set. Um, so there was also a kind of, let's just leave him be, mm. you know, there's always that kind of, you don't want to, everybody wants to go and talk to him. Everybody wants to be the one having the conversation, asking the questions. And, and sometimes it's like, just maybe just give him that bit of space, particularly he's just been through something very difficult. And, you know, so there was kind of a, I was a bit cautious of that, not mm. wanting to, be too much but with with jessica i spent two days handcuffed to her in a strip club so she had no choice but to talk to me was that before or after the film started shooting (laughs) (laughs) she got the job another person that's in the movie that i'm fascinated with is tommy flanagan who people might recognize from sons of anarchy and braveheart and gladiator guardians of the galaxy two one i think or two he was in um now, he seems to me like he's one of those real hard man kind of actors. But is he like that <laughs> all the time? No, he's not. He's such a... He's so... Um, he said... To, what did he say to me? There's a moment in the film where I, have to, where I pushed him in the chest. And he went, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a hard man in front of the camera. But, you know, just go easy. <laughs> 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 no, he's... I mean, he's he's definitely... I remember the first day we were all doing a table read and this was when everyone was kind of arriving and it was that, oh, they've arrived, oh, they've arrived, oh, they've arrived, ah, here she comes, oh, there he is, you know. And he walks in and you think, oh, my God, he's terrifying. He looks, he, and he's really tall mm. as well. He's he's this giant, um, but he just became everybody's best mate. He was like the dad on set. Um, I mean, you still probably wouldn't want to piss him off, um 
So as a as a writer then, if you're doing the say the table read, mm. is it quite emotional when all of a sudden the words that you've had in your head is being spoken and acted by like an Oscar winner and somebody that you idolised um, as a teenager? That must be quite overwhelming at it is, sometimes. I actually found that more overwhelming than acting alongside them. For some, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure why, but there's something about. Yeah, an Oscar-winning actor. And like you said, somebody that I've idolised since I was a teenager and a kid. Taking your work... It's, there's, I'm all, I was almost sat there thinking, they f- they've fallen for it. They think this is good. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just seems bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. It is overwhelming. And it is kind of... Um, in, yeah, those moments just sort of... It's... Well, on set is so fast paced and it's, you know, it's go, go, go. There's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of, um, you know, this has to work. It has to work. It has to go well. Um, but it's quite easy to lose those moments and you get kind of swept up in the whole, we're on set. We've got to get the job done. It's, I always consciously try and remember those moments. Take a, it's a brain photograph or something, you know, where you just take that snapshot and think, remember this, remember this. Cause if you don't do anything else ever, you did this. Yeah. Cool. Mm. So just keep it. Yeah. So going back to your writing process then, Elizabeth, when you're writing your script with Martin and for the main characters or other characters, do you have actors in mind when you're writing? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know, occasionally, I think with, with Killers Anonymous, no, to begin with. Um, because, I, you know, quite often you actually don't know what your, A, what your budget's going to be. Um, B, if it's going to go, who's, you know, who's going to take it on? Are they going to say that, okay, no, that has to be a man. This, that has to be, you, you change this character to a child, changes, you know, you, you can, things can change so much from start to finish of the script. So it's quite, um, sometimes it's best not to almost like pickle yourself into that, um, like getting your heart set on certain actors. Mm. A lot of directors um, work with the same actors quite often and so they know right this I want that actor to play this part um for instance Elliot Langridge who plays Ben in Killers Anonymous has worked with Martin on a few films now um and I know he's really keen to get him in there because he's such a a he's such a brilliant actor but they get on really well you know so it's like they he knows I want to work with him again I want to spend that time on set with with that actor um, for myself as well, I know it's in my writing contract for quite a lot of jobs that I do. I'll be writing myself into it. So, But it's not necessarily that I know which character. Same with Elliot. Don't know exactly which character, but you can kind of know who's going to be in it mm. at, some, at some point. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. So who's the next actor and actress that you would like to work with? Because, I mean... You've sort of set the bar quite high now with Gary <laughs> Who is there? Who else? I mean, obviously, there's going to be loads that you would like to work with. Is there any particular um, one that you'd like to write for, maybe? That's a great, do you know what? No one's actually ever asked me that question. And I don't know if I've really considered it, because I think even though, despite, I guess, previous experience, you still sort of think, oh, no, I could never could never get that person to work on my film. You still still sort of get into that mentality. Um But you must have thought that when you started writing Killers Anonymous that you weren't you, oh, you would never have thought you was gonna get Gary Oldman or Jessica. When, when they came into the production office and said, 
uh, we've, we've got Gary Oldman. Everyone went, <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah. And, and Liz, you will be doing a fight scene with Jessica Alba. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Who's it really going to be? They're, no, seriously. Yeah. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Couldn't, honestly couldn't believe it. I still, yeah, still don't really. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> I, do you know who I le- one of my favorite actors who I, again, grew up watching purely for the, the comedy Jim Carrey is just um, me and my sister and my dad would spend most Friday nights watching Jim Carrey films and just doing impressions of him. So seeing him, I mean, seeing him do something that I'd written, I would be, yeah, that would be incredible. Well, who knows? You never know. You never know. You could write the Hollywood remake of this country and have Jim Carrey as the vicar. Yeah. (laughs) God. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah could you imagine that right yeah. before we carry on now we are going to have a little bit of a quiz we're going to play okay. Kerry or Curtain I'm going to give you a line of dialogue yes you okay. need to tell me whether it's Kerry or Curtain okay. are you ready yes let me get my bell ready just so we go right <laughs> number one I think I would understand thanks what's the massive secret Kerry <laughs> Well done. That was in GMVQ when they were talking about the Vickers ball bag. (laughs) I'm sorry, Elizabeth. I never thought I'd say that to to, to, to you. (laughs) I do apologise. Okay, number two. It's Breen Sands all over again. I should have known it. Wow, two out of two. This is good. Number three. A lot of effort goes into the way I look. I was going to say, got you mid-gulp there. What was that? (laughs) Curtain. Well done. Three out of three. This is going very well. Number four. Don't show me any weakness because I will take advantage. Kerry. That is Kerry. Minor injuries. This is a chance for another five (laughs) out of five. Uh, Well, I didn't want to say, but apparently you gave her the creeps. This is for five out of five, Elizabeth. The pressure is on. Well, I didn't want to say, but apparently you gave her the creeps. Harry. It was Curtain. Oh, it was Curtain. No. Peeping Tom when Kaylee ran off and they were talking. And he was talking but to four Kerry. Out of five. Four out of five. <laughs> That's good. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're walking back to oh, Martin's. Yeah. yeah, they're walking back to Martin's um, caravan. And, and yeah. Curtain says to Kerry, well, I didn't want to say anything, but apparently you gave her the creeps. That's why Kaylee ran off. Four out of five, though. That's, oh, that's very good. good. That's very, very good. Uh, so, as we've said over the last few weeks, they've now finished filming series three, um, yeah. which will be uh, out early, fe- I think, February time, 2020. February, March time, yep. Yeah. Aren't you- they bringing it back in more? Was it, I'm sure I listened to it on, on the podcast, or maybe I read about it, that they're making it more Kerry and Curtin again, sort of in the just around the village. Yeah, I don't think I I think the plan was that they're not going to they're not leaving the they're village. They're not going to leave the village. Shroud. No. No. Not 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 yet, I don't think. We don't okay. know whether inflatable furniture's involved. Though. I mean, they will. <laughs> they so what would you like to see the characters do? Would you would you be happy if they moved away from the village? No. I love just seeing them walk around abusing people in the street. I literally I could I could watch hours and hours of them just... <laughs> What he said, to, what, 
Curtin says something to um I'm sure it's Len about his trousers change your trousers to sting. Yes. <laughs> I, I could just see a whole episode of them all sat at that bus stop and just abusing people that walk past. Yeah. I'm I was thinking about it actually a couple of days ago, thinking that maybe they'll do another like oven space episode where it is just them like you say in 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 you the bus what? shelter or something it's just them the, the two, two of them for one episode again mm. i think it'd be lovely to see that again definitely um, it's that thing isn't it finding that one thing like the oven space that we've all had those arguments about you can all relate to but you can have hours worth of argument and comedy over just one tiny thing yeah and that's, i think those are the best bits I think that's the genius of the whole show. Is Absolutely, it's it's yeah. very, it's very much like The Office in the fact that they take the most mundane and boring parts of somebody's life, and they yeah. can make it so watchable and relatable. Yes. You know, that's yeah. great. I suppose that's all about good good uh, good writing, isn't it? Is there any characters you'd like to see introduced that we've heard about from previous series? Oh, hang on. Are there any family members that haven't come in? Well, you've got the Curtin's gran. Yeah. You've got the vicar's wife. He lives with his gran, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah. That would be funny. Yeah. That would be interesting. I wonder what she's like. Especially if she was dressed up in all the no fear stuff as well. <laughs> and she had curtains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But rock, uh, curled curtains. <laughs> Great, yeah. yeah. That could be yeah. fun. That Get Mackenzie Crook to play his gran. Yeah. <laughs> to play his gran? Yeah. In drag. No, I don't think anybody wants um, to see who, that. I, I, I don't know. Who else has been mentioned? Well, there's Uncle Nugget, obviously. I mean, I don't know whether... Yes. That, that could be fun. Uncle Nugget. Yeah, yeah. That could be fun. That could be um, a bit disturbing, I think. And then we've got Neil, who took over Curtin's job at the Bowls Club. We have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought Len, Len... See, you could play Neil. Yeah. And I could play Len's son. <laughs> Because they keep talking about how he's got a son, hasn't he? Mm. But like, like they're, they've all—they're all dropping like flies, aren't they? They all get found out that they've got cancer or they've got That's something it. wrong with them. Mm. Or um, it'd be nice to see Kerry make a friend. Yeah, yeah, like a real yeah. a real friend. Yeah, something romantic. Do you think? Or well, thing is, so I listened to. I'm sure this was something you guys discussed in the podcast as well. Was that there's she's there is nothing sexualized about her, is there? No, she's so innocent. I'd be really sad if there, if if she ever had a boyfriend. It just she seems. Just, <laughs> You'd be sad if she ever had a boyfriend. So she's always going to be on her own. Is yeah, that, yeah. You're, you're, ha- you're happy if that happens. I'm happy if she just. <laughs> no, I just think like she just gets. She's got such a foul mouth, and she's so inappropriate and rude. But there is, but she's just so. When it comes to sex, she's so innocent and so. You know, like with the letters. Mm, she of. has no concept of it, does she? She no. doesn't understand what <laughs> it's about, no. So actually, maybe may a nice boy to come in and sort of show her what it's about. <laughs> they would actually, I can imagine there being a lot of comedy in, oh, there would in be. having a boyfriend. It would be, yeah, I Imagine the first kiss or something like that it would be absolutely hilarious, wouldn't it? It'd be like Gertie kissing E.T. <laughs> <laughs> Another, another modern day reference yeah. for all you kids out there. Oh my lord! Uh, so, what have you got coming up then, Elizabeth? Anything? Any projects that you can tell us about, or are they hush hush in good Hollywood fashion? 
Hush, hush, shish. That's a bit of a oh, yeah. Hush, hush, shish. Well, Wasn't hush, that a song by Cooler Shaker? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be. It'd be terrible um, to say if you had a lisp. Yeah. <laughs> hush, hush. It's, um, there is one that I... that This is the feature film that I was saying about that is, is the first one that I've written by myself that very much came from me. Um, I started writing it about a year ago and... Um, I attached one of my favourite authors to the project, actually, as my script consultant. She's called Catherine Gray, and she wrote um, two books, one called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober and The Unexpected Joy of Being Single, um, Sunday Times bestsellers, and just very honest, brutal accounts of um, her experiences with alcoholism and with um, relationships, dating, being single, um, and tonally, uh, this script that I was writing was very, very similar to her books because she writes she writes with with real comedy in there as well. It's, you know, there's a lot of dark truths, but they're always remedied with this comedy, and that's what I really enjoy with my writing as well. So I got in touch, and um, so she is on board with that, and that's kind of in the development stage. And I am also writing a comedy for a TV comedy, but that I can't say much about but i'm very excited about it okay, mm. okay. No, I mean, I, they <laughs> want to ask questions now don't you? but you can't Perry and curtain can you guys make that happen uh, well who knows who knows with our you, with you, our you, with our vast influence you want to meet carrie or curtain come to work with me for yeah. a day <laughs> <laughs> We, I mean, we've said it so many times that, that when we when we started this, and obviously they weren't as big as they were. We've had them in in our little studio twice, and we've obviously yeah. met them, and we, and we know them, and we're friends with them. And but as they've got bigger and bigger, the the sort of the the doorway of opportunity to to get to them gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But uh, but hopefully, I tell, we could say one thing. Hopefully, they'll do a um, another press screening for the new series, like yeah. they did for series two. If we hear about that early, we'll let you know. Yeah, we'll let you know. And we'll see what we yeah. see what yeah. we can do. See what we can do. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth, thank you very much for for chatting to us. It's been really, yeah. really nice to chat to you. Yeah, Thank you, and been... good luck with all of your your, your projects, even the ones that Thank you can't you. talk about. We're winking. <laughs> yeah. Hush, hush, hush. And if you ever find yourself in Sirencester, not that it's that far away, please do come and visit the shed. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, when Series 3 has come, look, because we, we, we do commentary episodes on, on, yeah. on episodes. Come in with us and let them come and watch an episode. We'll have a yes. cup of tea. We'll put the fire on. Yeah. We'll watch an episode well, of this country. It depends when it is of the year. If well, it's in the summer, we won't put the no, fire no, on. No, no, please, no. we won't. We won't do that. That's wonderful. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Uh, Neil, do you want to do your little bit? Let me get the yes, bell ready. Here ready. We Here we go. We're on all the social medias. You can find us under WTAF This Country. We've got a website, which is WTAFpodcast.com. You can email us at WTF This Country at Hotmail.com. There you wow. are. Straight on. Wow. Oh. And this is the last episode before our third podcast, uh, live podcast show, WTAF Live 3, Thrice Cooked, at the Sundial Theatre in Sirencester, November the 29th. There will be Martin Mucklow, Terry from the Bowls Club, James Moore from Emmerdale, Jill Cooper, the mum of Daisy and Charlie, the queen of this country, music from Erica, comedy from Keris Nelms. Get your tickets if you go to our website or if you go anywhere on our social media. It's all on there. 
Get your tickets now. That's all I've got to say. Very well said. Thank you very much. <laughs> so thank you very much again, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank oh, you very thank much, you so Neil. Much. Thank you so much, pal. Thank, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Now go and get plumbed, you fuckers. <laughs> Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? As promised, here's a sneak preview of the This Country book as read by Kerry and Curtin. It's available at Amazon or good bookshops and also on all your audio devices. Go and buy it now. Len Spooky Village Tales by Len Clifton. Read by Kerry and Curtin Mucklow. The Vanishing Tour Guide. This ghostly tale's been heard from a few people over the recent years, and it will send shivers down your spine. Our village, being nestled deep in the soft bosom of the Cotswold countryside, is a magnet for tourists from all over the globe. There have been many a tale of Japanese tourists being greeted off the coach in the marketplace by a gentleman wearing a tall stovepipe hat with a wide brim who shouts in an authoritative manner, This way! This way! The Japanese tourists follow him for up to 12 miles deep into the countryside, where the tour guide is known to drop to his knees, put his head in his hands and say, Shit! I don't know where the fuck we are, before vanishing into thin air. The chap in the top hat fits the description of a local tour guide known by the name of Ernie Garlic, whose trademark was wearing a tall stovepipe top hat with a wide brim. Tragically, Ernie took his own life in 1987 when he read a cruel review of one of his tours in the Cotswold Life magazine. The poor feller just weren't naturally blessed with the directional skills needed of a tour guide and was even known to get lost in his very own street. He suffered from a disorder called topographical agnosia which causes a person to have absolutely zero sense of direction. It's a comfort, however, to know that Ernie is still doing what he loves beyond the grave and guiding tourists into the ass end of nowhere. God bless you, Ernie, you half-wit. Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.